0: Call in at 303-690-3000.
3: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to get a biblical perspective on. Every day for Calvary Live, every weekday we have pastors standing by to take your calls to answer your text messages, and to respond to those questions you have about life and faith and what it looks like to walk with Jesus here in the 21st century. So give us, your, uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 for your Bible questions and your prayer requests. You can also text us at 720 336 897 That's 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us. You are listening live today. Today is September 22nd. It's a Friday. And uh, we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in, uh, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are Listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We also want to welcome those who have joined us recently on the Victory Radio Network. Victory has stations all over the United States. Um, I had previously thought that their stations were only basically in the the southern states, so from like Amarillo to Florida. Or I'm sorry, Freedom Radio FM is is the name of that that network of stations. Um, But now I I looked at their website and they have stations all over the place. I I saw some in Wyoming, some in other states as well. So if you're listening on the Freedom Radio Network, we are so glad to have you with us. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. And it's always exciting when we get somebody calling in from from somewhere where we uh, haven't had a caller from before. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-3000. Zero eight nine seven that's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. Um, We want to just let those of you know who are listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee and on uh, Freedom Radio that you are hearing this program on a one week delay. So those of you on Grace FM, you're hearing the show live, but those on our sister stations, you are hearing the show on a one week delay. But we just want you to be aware of that. But we we definitely don't want it to hinder you from calling in. So definitely give us a call. In fact. I like to encourage those who are listening on the delay that you you have a unique opportunity there listening on delay, and that is that you know that if you call in, if you call in with your question about the Bible or your prayer request, that you actually have a cool opportunity where you can then tell a friend, tell a family member, hey, I'm going to be on such and such a station at this time next week, and you know exactly when you'll be on, and you can encourage other people to tune in and maybe As they hear your question being asked and answered, they're going to not only grow from that, but they're also going to discover the station that you listen on, right? So that might become a preset in their car, or uh, it might be a a station that they begin to listen to at work, and who knows what God might do in their life as they begin to tune in and do that. So make sure to spread the word, no matter uh, who you are, where you're listening, about Calvary Live, this show, every weekday with pastors ready to answer your questions, and uh, we always look forward to hearing from you. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, we also want to give a big hello to everyone who tunes in online and listens online. I see it today, we have listeners on the West Coast, we have listeners uh, down on the Gulf Coast as well as the East Coast, and we also have some listeners in um, in Europe. So welcome to those of you who are tuning in online. If you don't yet have the Grace FM mobile app on your device, definitely encourage you to do that. Um, you can get it for free for your phone and for your tablet. Just type in Grace FM as one word into the search engine, your your app store, for your device, and it will come. Right up, or you can also just go to gracefm.com. You can listen there, and I'm sure there's also a link there for the app for your device. So, uh, big hello to everyone who tunes in online. I know we also we have uh, regular listeners who who tune in um, online uh, over the app and and over the website. So, welcome to all of you who are tuning in today. Just a few words about myself in case you don't know me. My name is Pastor Nick Katie. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located. In Longmont, Colorado, and uh, let's see. I have been here at this church now for nine years. I've been the pastor of this church. Uh, prior to that, I was a missionary in Hungary for ten years, and um, and so I have some experience over in Europe. I have uh, now nine years of experience here in Colorado. I grew up here in Colorado, so coming back here to pastor in Longmont was kind of like coming home. Although I didn't grow up in Longmont, I grew up in Denver. Um, but it's good to be back in Colorado. Love being here and love raising my family here. Love what God's doing at our church, Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont. If you're looking for a place to worship this Sunday, I'd love it if you'd come and visit us and study God's Word with us. We're currently in a series um, through First Corinthians called Grace and Truth. And in this study, what we're doing is we are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of 1 Corinthians. And man, it is a practical book, one of the most practical books in the entire Bible, really. And one of the things that I've been impressed with about uh, studying 1 Corinthians is just how how relevant it is to our modern time. Uh, This coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at chapter 7. Now, we looked at part of chapter 7 in a previous study. This week, we're going to be looking at the latter half of chapter 7, and you know what it really deals with more than anything is the topic of discontentment. And, you know, if you look at studies, they'll show you that discontentment is a is a really big issue. In fact, a recent study showed, uh, taken in 2020, June of 2020, showed that people in the United States are more discontent and more unhappy than they have been in the past 50 years of polling data. And so they showed that uh, only 14% of Americans say that they are happy or content with their lives. And that's really interesting. You know, I think uh, another thing I came across is that um, in the psychology world, they talk about this, uh, what they call grass is greener syndrome, but you can understand what that means. It's the concept that the grass is always greener somewhere else, right? Somewhere other than where you are and and someone else has got it better than you do. And this causes people to be discontent. There can be this this not healthy sense of discontentment that goes with that. And the reason why even psychologists who, who are not coming at it from a Christian perspective say that this is really detrimental is because what happens with this is that you, no matter how much stuff you get, no matter how much you attain, no matter uh, you know, what you achieve in your life, there will always be somebody who, whose grass is a little bit greener than yours. And so it's a, it's a vain attempt to be fulfilled. And so Paul deals with that, actually, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, specifically in the realm of marriage, but it, it, it's not just related to marriage. He's speaking there in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians to people who are married, to people who are are married to an unbeliever, and then he speaks to people who are single, so kind of three groups of people there. And he says, you know, to, he essentially says to all of them, stop waiting for your life to be different, your circumstances to change. Rather, serve the Lord where you are right now. Plow the field where God has placed you. You know, Bloom where God has planted you. Now, that isn't to say that you can't ever desire something different, that you can't work for something else and, and try to better yourself or try to better your situation. I think that we oftentimes should, right? But it does mean this, that we are able to say with the Apostle Paul, I am who I am by the grace of God, and I would take it one step further and say, I am where I am in life by the grace of God. That no matter what you're facing, God has something that he wants to teach you through it, a way that he wants to use you in that situation, a way that he wants to use that situation in your life to grow you. And really faith, right, means saying, God, I'm going to choose to believe in this situation that you are sovereign and you have me here for a purpose. That purpose might be for my own good, it might be for your glory, God. It might be for the good of others, but for sure, I am going to um, to use you, or God would want to use that situation in your life. So we're, we're saying, God, I trust that you are indeed sovereign, and I am going to act on that belief by trusting. So uh, that's what we'll be talking about this coming Sunday in lots of different ways. I can't look. Uh, I, I can't uh, wait to. Study more about that. I can't help but think in that about the story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah, who are right the the love triangle found in Genesis chapter twenty nine and thirty. Except it's it's not really much of a love triangle as much as it is almost like a hate triangle. Like there's these three people who are supposed to be in this marriage, right? Because there was a he was married to two women who happened to be sisters, um, and. And yet, they they don't seem to be very much. There doesn't seem to be a lot of love going around in that situation. I'll tell you more about that, but we still have all open lines. I just want to make sure that you know the numbers to call. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Give me a call with your prayer requests, with your uh, questions about the Bible and your questions about life and what the Bible has to say about it. 303 690 3000 or text me. 720 336 0897. Once again, that text line is 720 336 0897. Now, I'm I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live, but for the past three Fridays, I have been away. And the reason I was away for the first of those was I was in England. I just got uh, my master's degree. I actually got the degree, I graduated in 2020 but of course with everything going on with uh the pandemic the graduation ceremony was canceled or postponed rather and it was postponed until uh early September of this year so i got to go to england with my family and uh it was it was wild you know traveling uh internationally at a time like this with um with all the regulations but we did it you know we took my wife and my kids and uh we went to the ceremony then we went and visited some friends and missionaries in france and then we came back and I was going to be with everybody last, or I guess, two weeks ago. But we ended up missing our flight because of some complications with the COVID tests that we had to take. And uh, it, was, it was just um, the regulations were, you know, we, we weren't sure on them and we ended up missing uh, getting a test for our smallest one. So we missed a flight. And then last week on Friday, I was in Colorado Springs at Rocky Mountain Calvary with a group called Expositors Collective. Expositor's Collective is a group that exists to help raise up the next generation of Christ-centered Bible teachers and preachers. And so we do seminars. Now, with the pandemic, we hadn't done one in quite a while. Uh, We had done some online things, and we do a podcast, but this was our first in-person event since then. We're glad to have it here in Colorado. We do them all over the country. And uh, we were able to be down there with Pastor Eric in Uh, Colorado Springs at Rocky Mountain Calvary, and man, they were so awesome. It's such a great church and so welcoming uh, to us as uh, presenters down there. So if any of you are in Colorado Springs, definitely encourage you to check out um, Rocky Mountain Calvary and Pastor Eric Cartier. So they were our hosts for the Expositors Collective Training Weekend. We had uh, nearly 100 young people. It was was, uh, around 70 total who ended up coming, and then many online and so we had um, all these young people who came out desiring to know how to be better preachers and teachers of God's Word. So if you're interested in finding out more about the Expositors Collective, go to expositorscollective.com. And um, you can also check out their podcast, um, the Expositors Collective podcast. Just Google that and it'll come right up. Uh, then, So I'm here with you this weekend. Next weekend, we want you to know that there is a... Uh, situation. I'm sorry, I'm reading the notes here. There is a conference, a great conference, that is coming up called the Refresh Conference. It's October 1st and 2nd at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And this conference is open to anybody who is involved in ministry. So maybe you're in your church and you're involved in the media ministry, or you're involved in the children's ministry, or you're involved even as a greeter, or, or whatever way that you're serving the Lord this is a great conference. I'm going to be down there myself as well. I know there's some great speakers um, coming in, um, particularly looking forward to seeing one of my friends down there, Jim Gallagher from uh, Vero Beach in Florida. And so there will be some other speakers as well, and really encourage you to sign up for that. It's really encouraging time to kind of get get to be with some other people who serve the Lord and to hear some messages focused on that topic of, you know, how can we how can we serve the Lord? How can we be equipped to serve God better in the context where we're serving him? So the In-N-Out truck is going to be there. They have an In-N-Out food truck. They're going to be there. So we encourage you to come enjoy some fellowship with other people who are also serving the Lord. Uh, That's going to be at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and they're going to have worship from Revo Collective, if you've ever heard of them. If you haven't, definitely need to check them out. Very, very very good uh, music that they they do very worshipful stuff. And so, uh, Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church in Colorado Springs is going to be speaking on Friday night. And then Jim Gallagher, Ed Taylor, and Joshua Taylor on Saturday. So, I encourage you, if you haven't yet signed up for that, uh, do so. You can go to Calvary. Uh, how is it? Is it Calvary.Church or CalvaryCO.Church, if I have that correct? I think I got it right this time. Yeah, calvaryco.church slash refresh is the website to sign up and really encourage you to go over there, and I'll see you there. Well, without any further ado, let's go to our first caller, David, in Parker, Colorado. Hi, David. Welcome to the program.
2: Hi. Thank you, Pastor.
3: So my question is
2: regarding, since you sort of brought it up regarding marriage, um, a marriage between a man and a woman, my knowledge is through Timothy, it talks about more higher up where... A husband should marry one wife. It's really explicit. It doesn't say they should. It just says one man, one wife. And it's against polygamy. Um, As times are changing, different religions are more pushing toward polygamy. My question is, as I try to back up other scripture, what else would you have me reference other than Timothy? And it's Timothy, of course, I think it's like three, two.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and to to be clear, um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 is giving qualifications for uh, people who serve in a local church and the position of elder or overseer. So let's keep that in mind. I mean, it was written into a situation. It's actually really interesting, right, that this was written into the New Te- The New Testament is written into a culture, which is influence, right? There's Jewish influence, but there's per primarily Greek influence in the early church. And so in the, in the Greek culture, I mean, it would have been possible and maybe even common for men to have multiple wives. And so what do you do when you are a man who has multiple wives and you um, then become a Christian? You know, should you divorce your multiple wives? Is that doing right by them? Or should you take care of them but what was made clear in the early church was that um, if you have multiple wives, you're disqualified from, from, um, from church leadership, at least in this role of being an overseer or an elder, right? having that kind of lead role in which you're a primary example. Uh, but some more passages that would talk about this topic of being married to one, uh, one man and one woman together before God as the ideal for marriage, I mean, going back to Genesis chapter 2. That would be the, the first place to go, right? Where it says this, that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus even quoted that um, in two places in the Gospels, uh, in Matthew chapter 19 and in Mark chapter 10. But the original passage comes from Genesis 2, 24. And so here's what's really interesting, right? The Bible, essentially, if you look at it this way, it's a story, that is all about Jesus, but it's also a story in a way that's about us, right? It's the story of the world. And so the story here in Genesis kind of goes like this, that God is creating all these things. He looks at them and says that they are good. So here at the beginning of Genesis, we have the ideal, the way that things were meant to be, the way that they were designed to be. And so you see that uh, the one thing God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he says, so I will make a helper suitable or a partner suitable for him. And God creates the woman, and it says that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two, uh, he and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so that's really important that it says one man, one woman. There's two of them before the Lord, not more than two of them. So there's the implicit instruction about what marriage is. And then you might ask, okay, well, well, where does it? condemn polygamy in the Bible other other than that, because it seems that a lot of people who were told to look up to um, did polygamy, right? King David, uh, amongst others, right? The man after God's own heart, and yet here he is with multiple wives. And But here's the thing. You could say that the Bible teaches some things directly, but it teaches other things through what we might call a subversive way, in right? the subversive way simply means this, that it shows us the flaws in a particular thing. So, for example, if you'll notice, as you go through the Bible, even in the book of Genesis, um, polygamy is never spoken of or portrayed in a positive light. So much of Genesis is teaching us things, but it's teaching us through a historical narrative. Right? So here's what happened. It's kind of like reporting the news. right? Whether it was good or bad, this is what happened. You know, Jacob married two women who were sisters. Well, and, and we're left to ask the question, was that good or was that bad? Well, we have to determine that based on a couple things. We determine it by going back to uh, the beginning of the book and seeing. okay, well, that wasn't God's design and creation. But then we also know that it was not good because it just causes nothing but drama and trauma for people, not only for the people in the relationship. Um, but it created um, lots of problems for the children and those who came after them. And so throughout the Bible, you could say it's sowing the seeds that were cutting against the the predominant culture at the time, which was that having multiple wives was not only normal, but it was kind of like respected, right? Like, Like if you have multiple wives, it's kind of like driving a Mercedes, right? People... People notice, oh, that guy's got a lot of money because guess what? Having a lot of wives and kids costs a lot of money. And so it was like a status symbol in those days. And so, all that to say, nothing in the Bible ever shows us marriage, um, plural marriage, or, or polygamy in a positive light. Um, in fact, there is one thing where we're told that the kings of Israel were not to amass many wives for themselves. And what's interesting is if you look at Solomon, right, it's, it's uh, God had told Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 18. He tells Moses, um, when you have a king someday in the future, make sure that your kings do not amass a lot of gold. I'm sorry, it's Deuteronomy 17. Make sure that your kings do not amass a lot of gold, that they do not amass a lot of horses, and that they do not amass a lot of wives. And it's almost like King Solomon went down that and took it like it was a checklist of all the things that he could do, right? And so oh, wives, yeah. 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 So, wealth, yeah. And yeah. And and it caused nothing but problems for him. So I would say that those are those are the things we see. The other thing we see is that remember, marriage is a picture of God and the church. And God only has one bride, right? He doesn't have like a whole bunch of brides. He has one bride. And so um, anytime you're going away from that, you are ending up with a model that is an aberration of God's design for marriage. Okay. Wow, well, thank you very much. I, I didn't think about Genesis. That's a, that's great because that's something
2: I think about a lot. As as I hear on the radio and things are changing, I'm always looking for someday when somebody asks me that question, I can back it up with scripture.
3: Yeah, it's a good question, and I know that you know part of the issue right now is. It's, it's a redefinition of marriage that's going on in our, our society. Um, I would just encourage Christians you know, who are really worried about the redefinition of marriage in our society to um, understand that this is not the first time that marriage has um, been defined by people who are not coming at it from a biblical worldview. And what I mean by that is this, that if you look at the world in the time of Jesus and the time of the apostles, right, during the first century when, when the early church and the, the Christianity was spreading throughout the world, you know, of course, in Israel, they had kind of a biblical worldview of, you know, who God is, what marriage is, etc. But if you went into the greater Re- Greco-Roman world, they didn't have that, right? And so um, they had marriage, but there was a lot of weird stuff that went along with it too, because they didn't have that biblical framework, and so I just encourage Christians to see this, that it was in a society that was devoid of biblical, I guess, uh, foundation in which Christianity came in and turned the whole world upside down, changed everything, the greatest revival, right, like spread throughout the world and changed the world. It happened in a society that didn't have a biblical foundation. And so sometimes people will be really worried and they'll say, you know, we're losing our biblical foundation. I, I would just encourage us to say with faith, you know what? We're becoming a lot like the world in the time of the book of Acts. And that means that like Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are ripe for the harvest. You know, who will go? You know, God would send us and he'll say, pray for workers to go into the harvest field because the harvest is ripe.
2: Absolutely, and that's what I want. As years ago, you know, as a Christian, you realize your purpose. There was like, "What's your purpose now? You you you're saved. And your purpose is to spread the news, to spread the great news, to spread the hope, to spread the love of God." And and I, I want to have those common questions we all have to that individual who's not a Christian to think they're the only ones that ever thought of it. I want to have that answer ready for them, but I want also back up with scripture too. I might not have obviously my Bible with me wherever I go.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, amen, and I, let me pray for you in that, um, but I would just also encourage our listeners out there, you know, as we see the world changing and we see culture changing, let's remember that uh, God's given us his spirit and he's given us his mission, and, and on the one hand, yes, we do bemoan the fact that perhaps, um, you know, our society has lost some of its biblical foundations, but on the other hand, we're not trying to reform society. We're trying to bring the good news of salvation to individual men and women. And um, I would just encourage Christians that we are called as the followers of Jesus to be people who are on our toes rather than on our heels, right? So we're to be taking ground for the kingdom by the power of the Spirit rather than just kind of frustrated that, um, you know, as we see things go in a way that we don't like. Well, that, let and me you tell say it. that
2: reminds of Chuck Smith when he, in the '60s, he was um, he was inviting hippies because the hippies weren't invited to hear the Lord because back then churches you had to dress up, you had to have a family and a wife, you had to look a certain way and play a certain role, and he had the calling. He said, you know, God, Jesus doesn't accept the rich. He wants the poor. He wants the broken. He wants the outcasts. He wants those who feel lost. He wants those who don't feel loved. You know, it's a great philosophy. Amen. It's a and great I was mission. Just,
3: I would just challenge us to ask that next question, which is, who are those people today, right? Who are the, Who's the hippie generation that God wants us to reach out to? Because, you know, when Chuck was doing that, there were a lot of people who pushed back and said that he was compromising, that he was being too soft on sin. And that he was doing things like that and he said no no no! i want to welcome these people in so that they can hear the good news and be saved and the rest is history right the last great american revival took place at that time and i would say that was the last great american revival what's the next great american revival i want to be part of that i want to know who the hippies are that God wants me to welcome in all right well let me pray for okay. you david then we've got to go to break So Heavenly Father, I pray for us and I pray for David. Lord, help us to be ready and equipped to give an answer for the hope that we have. Help us to be people who are confident because we have your spirit and we have your gospel message. Lord, we have the promise that you um, will establish your church and the gates of hell will never overcome it. So Lord, may we live as those who fight from a position of victory. And may we be on our toes, not on our heels, as the people of God in the world today. Lord, bless David. Bless those of us who have uh, the truth of the gospel and the Holy Spirit inside of us to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we are going to our mid-show two-minute break. We'll be right back in two minutes time.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in every weekday and talk to pastors who are standing by to take your calls and to answer your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something you've been reading in the Bible that you're just uh, confused about or you've always wondered about. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you've got a kind of a question that you you don't have an answer to or you want some biblical uh, advice or counsel on. We're here to answer those questions. We're also here to pray for you if you have something going on in your life that you just need prayer for. We've got a whole lot of people listening right now, and they're ready to Say yes and amen as we lift those prayer requests up to the Lord together. So give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Well, let's go to our next caller, Heath in Evans, Colorado. Hi, Heath. Welcome to the program. Uh, Hi. Uh,
1: I have a question about... uh... Baptism? Okay. Uh, so, several years ago I was baptized, but I was baptized um, out of the intent to follow the Bible. And it wasn't uh, anything else um, besides trying to be obedient in that regard. Um, however, later on I heard the idea that when you get baptized, it also means that your your heart, you have to be, have right hearts. Word to matter, or uh, what's the word that you have to have a repentance heart as you as you are baptized, which I didn't. Oh, okay. I was. Uh, is that like where you would have the wrong? does that disqualify your baptism? Then I guess is if you are Actually, I try to be baptized again. I guess is
3: my question. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, Heath. I don't know if there's only one way to do it. Here's what I would tell you is that um, there's two ways to look at this and two ways that I've seen people look at it. And I think they're, they're, they're both hold water. And the, the first way to look at it is that, um, you know, if you were baptized with a kind of wrong understanding or an incomplete understanding of what you were doing or what you were declaring, then some people would say, yeah, you should be rebaptized. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you, you shouldn't be baptized more than once. There's one verse in Ephesians chapter four, which says, you know, there's one Lord and there's one baptism. And some people say try to say, see, there's only one baptism, which that means that you can only get baptized one time in your life. But that's certainly not what that verse is talking about. That verse is talking about unity in the church, right? Saying that, hey, if you got baptized over at this church and I got baptized at that church, we both got baptized into Jesus. It's not like we got baptized we we are baptized in different baptisms. There's only one baptism, right? So that's the point of that verse. So that it doesn't mean that you can't get baptized again. And some people would say, you know what? I think it's just the right thing to do because now I understand what it means. And um, you know, this is this is the case for like a lot of people who were baptized as small children. They might come to a point later in life and they say, you know what? I don't think I really understood what I was doing. I I did it because I wanted to please my parents, or I did it because It was just what was done in that um, church that I was in. But now I really understand the gospel. I really understand what I'm doing and making a statement of following Jesus. And so I want to be baptized again. And I would never um, try to talk somebody out of going on record and making a statement that they have been born again through faith in Jesus, unless that person thought that by doing that again and again, that they were in fact doing something which was causing them to be saved, or causing God to, uh, causing them to have more favor in God's eyes. I would I would really instruct them. Well, if that's why you're doing it, then don't do it, right? Because that's not what this is about. You're not earning any points with God by doing it. Um, rather, this is a celebration of what God has done in your life. It's a declaration of that. And so, but for the person who comes and says, you know, I don't think I understood it, and now I do. I would say, yeah, maybe you should be baptized again. Uh, there's certainly nothing in the Bible which says that you can't be. Um, the other way of looking at it is the person who says, I had a flawed or incomplete understanding of baptism in the, the previous time I was baptized, but now I understand it. And so now I am essentially my, I'm activating or, or validating, that's probably a better way to put it, uh, validating my baptism." right? And so some people who were who are baptized as small children, they might say, well, at that time, I, di- I really didn't understand what I was doing, and yet now I do, and I don't need to be baptized again because I was already baptized, and I, essentially my faith now is, is just kind of validating my baptism in the past. So those are the two ways to look at it. I would encourage you towards the first way, which is to say, if you were not repentant, of your sins when you were baptized the first time, then I think that it probably does mean that, yeah, you could be baptized again now understanding what it means and, and really being able to celebrate, um, the, the true meaning of baptism.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I've I've got one uh, other question.
3: Okay. Yeah. I saw that you had a second question, so I want to get to that. Go ahead.
1: Um, one of the other things, and there's a verse in the Bible that if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not a true Christian, or it didn't say true Christian, but it was, you weren't really one of Jesus's, I guess?
3: Yeah, it's um, in Romans, it's in the uh, book of Romans, chapter 8. It says, if anyone does not have the Spirit, they do not belong to Jesus.
1: So, my question is, is unless you're like, you know, you have, you're healing people or you're prophesying, how do you know you have the Holy Spirit?
3: Well, hey, I'll tell you this, that healing people and prophesying are not um, the the indicators of having the Holy Spirit. You know what the fruit, right, which is the indication, what's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, which is manifest in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Those are the fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, um, now those other things are gifts of the spirit, but here's an interesting verse I'm going to give you, and then I'll, then I'll answer your question directly. Um, John, or sorry, not John, Matthew chapter seven. I believe it's. Um, I don't have my my text right up in front of me, and my computer screen crashed, so um, I'm going from memory here. But I believe it's That's Matthew okay. 7, 21, 22, uh, and you, you should check it to make sure that I'm right. Um, but it's. Matthew 7, for sure, and it's those verses in the 20s of Matthew 7. And what he's saying there is Jesus speaking. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says that on that day, there will be many people who come to me and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not perform miracles in your name? Right? Did we not cast out demons and perform miracles in your name? And Jesus will say to them, go away from me, you workers of evil, for I never knew you. Now, Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that, you know, Lord, Lord, so repetition in the Hebrew culture was something that uh, indicated passion. So these are people who passionately called on the name of the Lord, and they were people who apparently did miracles and cast out demons. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Yeah, so it's Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I guess my memory was a, was pretty good on that one. Uh, partly because that's a verse that God used in my life in a, in a really important way to get me to give my life over to him. I realized that I was a person who knew stuff about God, but I didn't know God. All that to say, having those gifts of the Spirit and a- being able to do those things in Jesus' name, those are not indicators of having the Holy Spirit. The indicators of having the Holy Spirit are the fruits of the Spirit—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And um, and here's what I would tell you, that how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Well, here's how you know. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says really clearly, when you believe, when you heard the gospel of your salvation and you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Here's what that means. It means that every person who believes in Jesus, at the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, God fills you with his Holy Spirit. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so every believer has the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. How do you get the Holy Spirit? By believing in Jesus. And God puts his Spirit on you as a seal that you are truly his own child. Okay, so uh, if you have done that, then you have the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, this is the issue, that there are actually three different relationships with the Holy Spirit that are described in the Bible. I'll make this really quick. They are the with relationship, the in relationship, and the upon relationship, and they're distinct from each other, and that's really important to note, that they are uh, three different things, and three different groups of people experience these three different relationships with the Holy Spirit. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is with all people, bringing about conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that all of us have sinned, that God is righteous, and there is a judgment coming because of that. Right? So that's with all people. He is The Holy Spirit is convicting them. He is with them. Now, the Holy Spirit is then in those who have put their faith in Jesus. All those who have put their faith in Jesus, but only those who have put their faith in Jesus. And the third relationship is called the upon relationship. This is when the Holy Spirit comes upon some people at particular times to empower them and enable them to fulfill the calling that God has put on their life right so we read about it in the old testament and we read about it in the new testament right like acts chapter 2 you know stay here in jerusalem and the holy spirit or sorry acts chapter 1 verse 8 the holy spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses so um that that give you so when we're talking about uh what you're talking about like the manifestations of the holy spirit i would just so encourage just knowing
1: you knowing that you're 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 a real christian you're not going to fall away and not be right or something like that because a lot of people
3: right Here, here's how you know you're a real christian once
1: and you know
3: well here's how you know you're a real christian do you believe that jesus christ died for your sins and resurrected so that you can have new life do you yeah. do you give your life to him as your lord yes for, okay try. okay see it's it's very simple um and yet this is where the faith comes in that you say, because I believe this, I believe that this is true. This is faith that you walk in the faith of that, and and we take the Lord's Supper, Communion, in faith every week that we do it, right? And so, uh, I would encourage you. This is this is where faith comes in. So let me let me pray for you in that, and then I'm going to go to our next caller. But uh, Heavenly Father, I pray for Heath, and I just ask Lord fill him with a greater measure of faith that he might know and truly understand. What it means to be a Christian is to believe in Jesus and that, and to know that if he has done that, your spirit is within him as a seal and a promise that you will complete the good work that you've begun in him. Lord, I pray that you would fill him with your spirit, give him gifts of the spirit that he might be used by you in this world. But Lord, I pray primarily that he would know you and walk with you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. Hey, thanks for calling in, Heath. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're Bye. listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Um, the number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests, we've got one open line, the number to call 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Rob in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, good. Hey, look, my question <clears throat> is from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5. And it kind of just jumped out at me the other day. Uh, it It's where Jesus says that uh, unless a man is born of water and born of the Spirit, he may not enter the kingdom of heaven. And what jumped out about, about it was... Well, how does that um, relate to children that die in the womb that are aborted or even test tube babies where embryos get thrown out without because they have the wrong genetic markers? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and that's a great question, Rob. And it's one that a lot of people wonder about um, because a lot of people would say, hey, if David, for example, says in the Psalms that he was a sinner from his mother's womb right? So that he didn't become a sinner when he sinned, rather he sins because he is by nature a sinner. We are all sons of Adam, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, right? Which means that just as they have fallen and they brought the curse of sin and death into the world, that we all now suffer under that same curse of sin and death. And so we are sinners by nature now as uh, sons of Adam. That would be, if anybody's looking for where we get that in the Bible— Now, of course, it's part of the story of the Bible, but it's also uh, said explicitly in Romans chapter 5. Now, so that's our issue, right? We've got this problem of sin, and we've got this problem that we are sinners, and we know that God, of course, can't have anything to do with sinners, right? As one who is holy, then he uh, can't be in the presence of sin. He can't have fellowship with sin, so that gives us a problem. Like you said, now, God has prepared a way, he's created a way for us to be with him through Jesus, but what about people who never have the opportunity to believe in Jesus or even to hear about Jesus, as you mentioned, young children? It also brings up the question of what about the, um, the, those with developmental disabilities, right? Like They might grow up to be an adult, but they might never have the cognitive ability to hear and understand the gospel. What happens in these cases? And um, I think that what can happen is that in our desire to have correct doctrine, we also miss some of the things that the Bible says. And so, right, we're making a what we call a systematic theology. Systematic theology just means we try to understand what the Bible says about a topic, right? So I essentially just gave us a systematic theology of sin and human nature as fallen people. Now. What it fails to take into account, for example, in this case, is why the judgment of God is coming and who is subject to the judgment of God. And that is uh, spelled out explicitly in many places in the Bible, but nowhere perhaps more clearly than in Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you what it says there in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. So listen closely. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, for God has shown it to them um, in his invisible attributes, etc., etc. It goes on, and it says, verse 21, For although they know God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, etc. So it goes on, and it says, for this reason, verse 26, God gave them over to their uh, dishonorable passions. And, and it goes on since then, uh, saying that since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind. All of these things to say this, um, what is being judged, in other words, by God is not our nature, but our rebellion. It's rebellion that is being judged, not our nature. Now that's pretty important to understand. And if once you know that, it you will notice that this theme runs throughout the rest of the Bible as well. Right? So if you go back to the Old Testament, right. you see who's being judged? The people who are it, judgment comes against rebellion. Now, let's be clear: every adult person, including children, even, right? We've all rebelled, right? Children rebel against their parents. Ultimately, all of us rebel against God, knowing what's right, we do what's wrong. But that is what is being judged. And so there is this thing which we sometimes refer to as an age of accountability. The word age is probably not a, a good word you use here. A, a more helpful word would be to say kind of a point of accountability, right? Because for different children, that's going to be different. And also it's going to be different, not just for children, but like I said, people have different cognitive abilities. And so what we what we are left with there is that there is a point of accountability, and um, this is why David then can say about his son who dies in infancy in First Samuel, or I'm sorry, Second Samuel, where he has his first child with Bathsheba is born and then is dying in infancy, and he's fasting and praying, and then the baby dies, and. The the servants are afraid to tell David that the baby has died, but then they decide, okay, well we have to tell him. So they go in and they tell him, baby or David, your son has died. And it says that David arose, washed himself, and had something to eat. And they said, well, wait, why are you, why are you not mourning over the death of your child? Why were you, you know, praying and fasting, and and doing these things while your child was sick, but now the child is. Has died now. You're you seem more relaxed, and David says, Well, because I know that there's nothing more I can do about it, and I also know he says that he will not come back to me. But very importantly, David says, But I will go to him. So, what is David saying? He's essentially saying that he has confidence that his child went to be with the Lord and that he will go to be with the Lord one day. So, That's all, all that and, to say, but, yeah, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence that those babies who are aborted and those babies who die in infancy, perhaps those who are stillborn die in the womb. You know, the Bible says that life is in the blood. And so if life is in the blood, then that tells us that, um, well, it tells us that once there's a heartbeat, right? We have this law in Texas that's very, uh, it's being protested very harshly, but that law does come from a biblical backing, which is that life is in the blood. So at the point where a heartbeat can be detected, um, at least then, right? If not at conception, many of us would say, and I would say too, life begins at conception, but for sure life begins um, when there's a heartbeat, right? When there's blood, life is in the blood. So all that to say uh, that these are human souls, right? So um, what happens to them, I, I have a lot of confidence that God has mercy for them and that judgment belongs to those who have rebelled and those, which is again, all of us. um, But there's a difference between sinful nature and rebellion.
4: Well, no, that's excellent. And I really appreciate it because, you know, in my gut, I always thought, well, there's innocence that God, you know, uh, you know, he's not going to condemn the innocent, but having, hearing it like that, yeah, I can explain that to anybody. That's, a, that's great. I really appreciate it. And <laughs> I'm glad I got it uh, squared away because, boy, I don't know. Sometimes you get a thought in your mind, and it just plays with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's God's nature, right? He's going to always have mercy and grace for the innocent. So mm-hmm. thank you. My I appreciate pleasure. that answer.
3: You bet. God bless you, Rob. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got full lines still. Let's go to our next caller, Jay in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the program.
0: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. That last uh, caller just said uh, grace, and uh, I can't remember the other word for the innocent, and boy, that hits home. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was served divorce papers on July 10th, and ever since, my wife has done everything she can to uh, try to get me out of the way and uh, take our child to another state. Um, I've survived every allegation out of the exam except drugs and murder, a misdemeanor investigation, a felony investigation. Um, This just doesn't make sense to me. Um, You know, I've said I would like to go to counseling, and we're both going to the same biblical pastor for counseling. And, um, He's tried to get us together, and she's flat out said no. Um, I'm having just a hard time realizing that, you know, God is so far allowing this to happen. Um, You know, and she unfortunately is enduring the the pain and destruction um, in her life for, you know, this sin. But, um, you know, I want prayer from everybody out there that maybe somehow we will reconcile this. I mean, it wasn't much of an argument that we got into. We actually got into an argument about marriage counseling, of all things. Um, back in May. But, um, you know, the other thing I have a concern with is if she ever did want to come back, how on earth can I trust her? Um, literally with police coming to my door every single week trying to get me arrested, whether I'm innocent or guilty, um, you know, just I'm scared, um, but I I, I don't want to see this. We have a little child uh, in the middle of this.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that that makes it much more difficult, you know. I, I would point you guys to First Corinthians seven. Of course, you you know you can tell her that she shouldn't uh, be separated, that she should seek reconciliation, but but that doesn't mean she's going to. And there is a, a part in there that says that you know if your spouse in like abandons you or leaves you, that um, you're no longer bound. But here's the here's the thing is you've got the child there in the midst of it uh, and wanting to take to another state. So. Let's pray for you and let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, we pray for our brother and we pray for his wife. We pray for their child. Lord, what a tragic situation this is. Lord, I pray that uh, there would be justice rather than injustice in this situation. Lord, you know the ins and outs and the details of of this entire thing. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be justice, that there would be repentance, that there would be reconciliation, there'd be forgiveness. And Lord, particularly, not only for our brother's heart, not only for his wife's heart, Lord, we pray for his child that is caught up in the midst of this, Lord, that you would be be with this child, Lord, protect them. And um, Lord, we pray that you would do a miracle in this situation, that hearts would soften, that repentance would take place and be true. And Lord, that, um, that you would bring about reconciliation in the midst of this. And we pray for Jay, and, and as he goes through this, Lord, you give him a lot of endurance and you give him faith and confidence in you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I needed that. You bet, Jay. Thanks for calling in. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, we've got time for one more question. Let's go to Larry in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Larry. Welcome to the program.
4: Thank you. Um, my question is this. I think it was on the Sermon in the Mount when Jesus told some guys, you know, but I never knew you, and they tried to justify He told some works that they had done, and he said, yeah, but I never knew you'd get out of here. And so what I'm wondering is I don't know. I'm I'm scared that Jesus doesn't know me. I mean, I feel like I know him. I've given my life to him and pray every day, and I take him as my um, Lord and Savior, but I'm not sure that he knows me. Is there any way I can get assurance that he actually knows me?
3: Well, I, I know that he knows you, and, and here's, here's how. Listen, it, it can't be that you know him, but he doesn't know you, right? So when Jesus told those guys, I never knew you, what he meant with them, to them was, hey, you guys know stuff about me, but we don't have a relationship. And So Larry, I would just encourage you that um, to those who seek him, he will by no means cast you out, right? So if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's the promise that we have in God's word. And so, Larry, I would encourage you draw near to the Lord. But I would also encourage you in this, that this is where faith comes in, right? right? Faith comes in and saying this, I know that this is true, even if I don't feel that it's true. I know it's true because I stand on the foundation, the sure foundation of God's word that says it's true. So the word of God says that Jesus Christ loves me, died for me, And that if I confess my sins, if I declare him as Lord of my life, if I surrender my life to him in faith in what he accomplished for me in his life, death, and resurrection, then whether I feel it or not, I can be 100% confident that truly I have been saved, that I know him and he knows me, right? And then you go beyond there and you say, because that's true, now I get to cultivate this relationship. Now I get to get to know him even better through his word, through prayer, through, through worship and fellowship and hearing his word taught and those things. So Larry, I just, I would give you confidence. You know, I I like to put it this way. There are some times when there are people who need to be, um, let's say they are overly and wrongly confident when they shouldn't be confident. But I would say there are other people who don't have confidence, even though they should. And I would say that it sounds to me like you fall into that second category. Uh, So I would encourage you to have a lot of confidence in the Lord. I have to let you go. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Come join us this Sunday. We'd love to have you. Look us up online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again next week.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.